Hi, I'm Rob, and this is another episode of Rewind and Review. As always, I'm joined by a man who is always too hasty, he's a natural sprinter, and just a lover of taters. It's my Rewind and Review co-host, Jason. Boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Yeah. For new listeners, yes. Rewind and Review <laughs> is the podcast where we have a look at an existing property from the past, delve into its legacy, discuss how it's held up over time, and even give our own personal experiences. Did we watch it as a kid or sometime later in our lives? That's right. Now, today's film celebrates its 20-year release anniversary in December of this year, 2022. Um, it's the second instalment of one of the greatest film franchises to ever be produced um, and is connected to a brand new TV series that's just launched on uh, Amazon Prime. So get ready to continue on this epic journey uh, by defeating a Balrog, summoning the Lord of the Horses Shadowfax and arriving at first light on the fifth day as we make our way back to the year 2002. Swinging 60s, here I come, baby, yeah! Go back to then. When? Now. 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 Ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. There's definitely a very slim chance we'll survive. Two thousand and two, the year when aliens hid in cornfields and were allergic to water, uh, when dragons took over the world, and when Scooby Doo went live action. All these films uh, were, were successful in their own right, but some better than others. But none were as epic in scope as today's film, The Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers. I love how you, in a way, just kind of compared Lord of the Rings to Scooby Doo, and I'm not even mad. I'm not mad. Um, of course, <laughs> if you have not checked out this movie, please do it first as we will be talking spoilers. But look, I mean, 20 years, seriously, mm. what's going yeah. on? But look, I mean, this isn't for everyone. So yeah. maybe, maybe you haven't. But you know what? At least check out that first maybe, one. Maybe. You've got to at least check out the first one. It's all Maybe. <laughs> Maybe you're, uh, maybe you're like all of these YouTube uh, movie reviewers who apparently haven't seen a single movie in their whole life and are reacting to them for the first time. Anyway, director <laughs> uh, directed by Peter Jackson and based on the fantasy novel series by J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. It's the second entry into the epic fantasy trilogy that defined a genre um, and continued the journey through Tolkien's Middle Earth. The movie picks up immediately following the events of the first film, The Fellowship of the Ring, and tells the story of the now separated Fellowship members as they continue on their quest to destroy the One Ring and save Middle-earth from the coming darkness of war. That's right. The film follows uh, now three sets of characters. So you have Frodo Baggins, played by Elijah Wood, and Samwise Gamgee, um, played by Sean Austin. As they continue to Mount Doom to destroy the One Ring, um, this time also accompanied by the villainous Gollum, who's played in mo by motion capture and voice by Andy Serkis. And you've also got the trio of warriors, um, Aragorn, uh, played by Viggo Mortensen, the dwarf Gimli, played by John Rhys-Davies, um, and the elf Legolas, played by Orlando Bloom, as they hunt down the orcs who kidnapped their hobbit friends. And then the third group is, of course, those hobbits. You've got Merry, 
played by Dominic uh, Monaghan and Pippin, played by Billy Boyd. And they find themselves on their own little quest to take back the Tower of Isengard from the evil wizard Saruman, who's played by Christopher Lee. And all of these stories, they culminate in one of the most epic siege battles ever put to film. Now, I'll admit I'm going to pronounce half of these names wrong, but here I go. Along the way... That is okay. Along the way, the characters all make new allies in King Theodon of Rohan, played by Bernard Hill, his nephew, Iama, played by Carl Urban, and niece... Eowyn, played by Miranda Correct. Otto. There we go. Faramir, yeah. or Faramir, sorry. Faramir of Gondor, played by David Wenham, the brother of their fallen companion, Boromir. A talking, walking tree named Treebeard, voiced by the very same John Rhys Davies. And the revived and upgraded Gandalf the White, played by <laughs> Ian McKellen. There you go. There's no other way, really, I can explain... We, you know, in lay terms, what happens with Gandalf, other than he is upgraded. So that's what we've got there. <laughs> he's, um, uh, so that, that, that's, he's that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Okay, we're he done. He is indeed. Um, <laughs> so there you go. That, that's, 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 you know, that's our little set of, um, of characters and their stories, which we're going to go into. But first, let's talk about personal experiences. Look, we already know that I'm a big fan. I'll tell you all about that in a second. But Jason, tell me about it your experience with this movie, this trilogy. Yeah. Go on. What do you got? You probably remember the story I told you when I watched The Fellowship of the Ring or kind of watched The Fellowship of the Ring for the first time at the drive-ins, right? (laughs) Some friends. We didn't really watch it. We just kind of marked around because we were kids. We were pretty young. Um, Same group of friends. We went to the drive-ins the following year for (laughs) the two towers and literally exactly the same (laughs) thing happened. Just didn't watch it properly. Look, long story Ah. short... If you remember what I, you know, what I, it's the same. It's the same deal. Um, it wasn't until yeah. my my now wife, you know, like she eventually said, "Look, let's let's like watch them." She she was a fan. She was like, "Come on, sit down, watch mm. them properly." I was like, "Ah, oh, I do." And I get it. Yeah. I'm like, there is a great appreciation I now have for these films. But again, mm-hmm. big disclaimer: this is not the type of genre that I'm normally into. I'm not into the big. Mm. fantasy sword wailing lots of i don't know there's dragons and is there dragons in this dragons and trolls and not things. not this one i mean i enjoy yes. harry potter yeah. don't get me wrong i like a bit of magic and you know tales of mm. wonder and stuff but um but no look i, I i've watched these and i enjoy them i do enjoy them mm. i just don't love them yeah i just don't love them but i can definitely watch it and go mm. yeah this is some this is some grand shit right here. This is some great, great shit. So, I mean, I can't even remember what I said for Fellowship of the Ring, but it would have been something along the lines of I fucking love Lord of the Rings. I absolutely love this trilogy. It's so amazing. This one, though, out of the three films, this is my least favourite, probably. But even that, I've got a, yeah, a very strong appreciation for this. Primarily, what I really, really like about these films um, is the score um, that um, Howard Shaw's put together. But it's also just the the scale of what these movies are achieving. And, you know, they reinvented a whole bunch of different elements around, you know, like medieval style battles and all this thing. And it's just kind of since that way kind of paved the way for like a new generation of epicness when it came to these, you know, big battles and big fantasy things. So I really, I've seen this movie. I, 
and even the extended edition probably you know, 10 10 15 times probably maybe it's it this is one of my go-to in fact when COVID first came out lord of the rings the extended edition the, the trilogy that was one of the ones that i definitely locked in there saying all right if i've got a free day when i can't do anything that's what i'm watching um and did i no, I did not when I got COVID, but oh, um, I still had a, I still, I did watch them uh, with the wife about two weeks before I got COVID anyway. And my wife is, um, she's a big fan as well. So we're yeah. very lucky. It's interesting that you say yeah. that this is your, so, I guess your, your least favorite of the, of the three, which isn't obviously a, a bit very negative comment, but I mean, like we, we were speaking to a bunch of friends uh, just the other week and I think a lot of them pretty much were mm. in unison about mm. this one being their favorite one. So, but I mean, it is. It's weird because like the the three movies do obviously fit very much together, and this is the middle one. Mm -hmm. We do jump straight into the story, and it does kind of just end without an ending. So there's a lot happening throughout the entire run of this movie, and yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, Mm. it's it's weird because we look at that first film, and I feel like there is. I've got a pretty clear picture of what's going on and what's happening and what's happening with characters. That I can sort of like, oh, I feel like I, yeah. I know that movie now. With this one, I'm still every time I rewatch this movie, and I admit it's only been a handful of times, but I'm still like, I don't mm. know what the hell's going on half the time. But <laughs> but again, that's just me watching this. Well, and, I mean, and and like, there's a lot. I mean, there's new talk- characters introduced. Yeah. There's yeah. obviously everyone's split up, so we're in different locations. And I'm just mm. like, I just need a map. I need a map. I need to know where everyone is, and. And maybe that's just me watching this movie, yeah. but yeah, I just, I don't know. It's a little bit, it's different. It's different. Well, well, the, the truth is, the truth is it is different. Like it's a different storytelling like technique from the first movie. So, um, you know, credit to Peter Jackson for, you know, filming three different movies out of sequence, but having different, <laughs> different kind of pacing and different, um, I guess, yeah, storytelling techniques with each, each, like all three movies, very different things. But um, well, let's, let's just talk about the legacy about it, because we are going to talk about the three different timelines and how hard it is to keep track of a few things a little bit later. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll, I might be able to answer a few questions for you, Jace, but we'll see how we go. But um, I, uh, the budget itself, so cost $94 million. Um, now, this one, this this movie out of the trilogy made $947.5 million. Um, so it was the highest grossing um, film of 2002. Now, the $94 million, I can't remember if that was for the entire trilogy or if that was just for this movie. But either way, you know, Timesing that by ten just for this film, it's pretty incredible stuff. Yeah, I think just because they did make the movies kind of all together, I think it's hard to sort of break up the budget because they were mm. filming scenes all over the place. So, yeah, I think it was hard to sort of track. We were talking about that yeah, when, we really did, when we did Fellowship. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we might touch a little bit more on that a little bit later as well. But um, the so the critical rating, um, Rotten Tomatoes currently this sits at ninety five percent. So it's a very you know from a just a general audience point of view, you know, it's a very well received movie. Um, so it's 95%, it's an average of um, 8.5 out of 10, and that's based on 255 reviews. So that's some of the higher number of reviews that we'd, we've seen generally with our movies that we review. Um, Metacritic gives it 97 out of 100 um, from 39 reviews, um, which, you know, that would be a universal acclaim. Um, Cinema Score gives it an A grade, which is an upgrade from the 
Fellowship of the Ring, which was an A minus. Um, now, Mr. Roger Ebert, we always like to kind of, you know, check in and see see what Mr. Roger Ebert thought of it. So he gave the film three out of four stars. And he described it as one of the most spectacular swashbucklers ever made. Um, but he stated it's not faithful to the spirit of Tolkien um, and misplaces much of the charm and whimsy of the books, uh, but it stands on its own as a visionary thriller. And then you've got Nev Pierce from uh, BBC. He gave the film four stars out of five and wrote that while it lacked the first film's wow factor, um, it surpassed the Fellowship of the Ring in terms of wit, action, and narrative drive. And Pierce also described Gollum as the first believable CGI character um, and the Battle of Helm's Deep as one of the finest, most expansive combat sequences ever filmed. And I put that, um, uh, put Nev Pierce's uh, comments in there um, because they, I resonate quite well, you know, quite closely with those, particularly about. It's hard to read those things or or hear you say, you know, recite those quotes and disagree with them. They're, um, Mm. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's it. And look, I'll I'll be the first one to admit, I haven't actually read the source material, but I'm assuming maybe they are a little bit more. That's going to be my next question. (laughs) Yeah. Is it, are there bits, especially I I imagine with like, maybe like the Hobbits, uh, that is a little bit more like. I don't know the Hobbit book or the <clears throat> Hobbit movies, where it is a little bit more, you know, bit bit goofy and, you know, cheeky. Or no, no so this is more along the um, this this is more along the <laughs> it's more along the lines of um, like the differences between the uh, the source material and the and the actual movies is uh, there's a few additional characters in the books that you don't hear of, but they're kind of amalgamated into a few different ones on screen, um, and then. It, chronologically it's a little bit different um the way where this film finishes it finishes much later in the book um so you get part a part of the return of the king the next movie in the in this book um and likewise the the previous movie finished uh boromir was meant to pass away uh in the start of uh, two towers um if i remember correctly so and there's there is you know, there's a whole um, Frodo and Sam. They don't. They actually never go to Osgiliath in the book. Um, and there's actually the line that Sam says along the lines. He goes, "By rights, we shouldn't even be here." Um, that's kind of more of a just a, a bit of an inside joke um, from the production team and, and, the, and the writers around. Yeah. They they're not even meant to be there. That they literally weren't in there, there in the books. So there's lots of little changes around that. But so you can understand where they're saying might not be it's true, you know, reflection of the source material, but it's still in its own, um, you know, it stands on its own as its own epic, you know, and it really does show the, uh, I guess, a, you know, a testament to, you know, a, to the material either way. Right. Um, what, what, so m- moving on from the kind of the critical reception, because we, we're aware that, you know, audiences and critics alike really have rated this quite highly. Um, then you've also got, you know, the Academy and the awards and stuff. Now this one, I don't think we mentioned it with the Fellowship of the Ring review that we did, but this, it actually won, uh, the Two Towers won 136 awards out of 222 nominations. Um, now, I, Fellowship of the Ring actually was award, uh, nominated for 12 Academy Awards, um, but the Two Towers was actually nominated for six. So it's, what, when you think of those, you know, the full amount of awards that one was nominated, you know, the movies either side of it actually um, won a few more and nominated more, but just the sheer, I guess, presence in the award circuit 
you know, these movies that these movies had just as a trilogy as well. The big kicker was the best picture nomination, which I don't believe the uh, Fellowship uh, got. Like it wasn't not even nominated or anything. I could be wrong. Can't, look, tr- truly can't remember, um, but I know uh, this one was nominated. It didn't win, um, but uh, the, the you know the, the Return of the King, and one day we'll do that. I'm sure um, that that obviously won a lot more, <laughs> including best picture and, di- and director. But the Academy Awards, so it's nominated for six, um, including Best Picture, and it won two of them. Um, it won sound editing and visual effects. Golden Globes, it was nominated just for two, which is interesting. But but those two were um, Best Picture and Director. Um, didn't win those, unfortunately. And at the BAFTAs, um, it was nominated for nine awards, including Best Film and Director, and won two of those as well, um, Best Costume Design and Best Special Effects. But like we said, it won a total of 136 out of 22 nominations from the whole awards circuit for that year. It's very cool. Um, unfortunately, the uh, this one, oh, we'll talk about it a little bit later with the score, but um, this one didn't get nominated for best score for that year, which is a bit sad. Um, now, the source material, we kind of covered a little bit. Uh, uh, we don't even really need to touch this because we covered it in our um, first episode as well, so I recommend everybody go listen to that. But, you know, as you're aware, it, there was... It's a series of novels by J.R.R. Um, Tolkien. It's published in um, 1954. And um, these three, the three movies kind of cover the, uh, well, it's split. It's technically six volumes, but, you know, you can generally buy them in three novels. So um, it's the greatest selling book of all time. And this is obviously the trilogy itself is one of the most successful financially um, film franchises of all time as well. Um, and speaking of the franchises, so you've got the trilogy, like we said, we've got the Fellowship of the Ring, we've got this movie, The Two Towers, that we're talking about today, and then you've got the uh, the final one, Return of the King, and all three films were shot simultaneously in New Zealand, but not chronologically, so you had, you know, one day they'll be shooting something from Return of the King, and then the next day they'll be shooting it from Fellowship and so on and so forth. Um, but this Two Towers is actually out of the three films, was the one that was shot most chronologically accurate and that was mainly because of the the third act um at helm's deep and the battle that sequence took over uh three months to film and so they were all on on the location at doing night shoots every night so they pretty much could lock that one in chronologically but the rest of it um yeah it's kind of up and down all over the shop uh you've also got the hobbit trilogy um the franchise itself so far before we even start talking about bloody the amazon movie, um, series um it's earned over 5.8 billion dollars um and it's 2.9 billion just for the trilogy um there was an extended edition now you you watch the extended edition is that right jace uh look look i watched the extended of fellowship and I had all intentions of yep. watching the extended for for this. And, <laughs> and look, this is what we're doing: we're watching all, we're rewatching the movies in anticipation of the of the new Amazon show. We're very very excited for it. It looks great. Yep. Um, I'm excited as I can be. No, no, it, it does. does. It genuinely looks good. Um, we're yet to still watch the third <laughs> one, and then we'll crack on to. Well, by the time this episode is posted, the show would have landed. So hopefully, I'm I'm up to date. Um, but Correct, we're, yeah. we're running out of time. We just needed to to watch the shortest version possible. So unfortunately, I did not watch the extended one this time. <laughs> but please fill me in on what I've missed. That's right. The extended. <laughs> no, no. So no, it's all right. The extended edition. Um, so it actually has over forty four minutes of extra footage, which is um, pretty 
pretty amazing. Um, it's already a bloody long movie, but this one's even longer now. Um, some of the things that are included in that that aren't in the theatrical cut, um, you actually see Saruman destroy Isengard and, and the forest around there. You see heaps more scenes with Merry and Pippin, um, both when they're kept um, hostage, sorry, they've been taken hostage by the orcs, and um, but also, you know, all of their interactions with the Ents and the trees and all that stuff. You see more context between Boromir and Faramir, so you a bit, understand a bit of the dynamic between them and their dad. So when you get to the third movie, you have a little bit more of an understanding why he hates one and he doesn't, and he loves the other. Um, and you also get Aragorn's history a little bit of, of, as well. Um, so he's actually, I don't know if you knew this, Jace, but he's actually 87 years old. What? Um, so if you watch the extended <laughs> edition, you, you, you learn you learn a little bit more. He's he's part of um, a race called Numenorean men, and they live longer than normal men. Um, and in the extended edition, it tells you a little bit more about them and why there's no more Numenorean men anymore and how they fell, um, which I'll tell you a little bit later, later, actually. It's a really, really cool story. Anyway, <laughs> and you also get Theoden's son's funeral and his death as well. So there you go. There's That's, about 44 minutes that, of extra that, stuff. Really good, interesting stuff for people like me. It, no, do you know what? And remember when we were talking about Fellowship, right? And how I, how I had previously mm. seen just the theatrical cut and then watched the, the the extended one, and I was like, do you know what? Like, I, I just felt like I, I knew more about things, what was happening. I cared a little bit more about particular characters. Mm, yeah. Um, and it's interesting looking at what, what I've missed yeah. here. Because you know what, one of my takeaways was, and it, not necessarily a big critique, but it was sort of like, do you know what, the scenes mm. with Mary and Pippin, pretty brief. Like there wasn't much actually really going on. Mm. Like that's one third of all of the stories that are that are going on. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, they're kind of, they're kind of yeah. there, and then they're there, and then they're with the big tree, mm. and then that's it. And I'm like, oh, okay, there's not really much mm. going on mm. there. So things like that, and it's like the history of yeah. Aragorn. You know what? I've said it before. Aragorn's my favourite character. Didn't even know he was eighty-seven mm. years old. I feel like you're lying. Yeah, I guess. I, mean, uh, I guess it's in in, yeah. the, in the missing forty-four minutes. That's too no, it's long, a, but an what's extra it? forty-four minutes. Basically, well, the, an hour. Well, the, the scene it the scene itself is really it's really cool because the um it's actually between Miranda Otto's character and and himself, and he talks about and she she mentions to him that he. You know, he fought with her grandfather and all of this, and then you find out that yeah, he did because he was a young man and like as in he's much older than you realise, and so he's yeah. And then you, she has a dream about uh, the the Numenorean um, country. It's pretty much like Middle Earth Atlantis, where it pretty much sank into the ocean. Um, and she has a dream about the history of that and how. All he, she could see was like being just terrified of these walls of water coming towards them and stuff. It's a very kind of interesting scene. And, you know, it just adds extra context. So that's what you get. When you're watching the extended editions, that's what you're going to get is just extra context and depth to the characters and the story and the, and the lore behind it all. Um, is it for everybody? No, probably not. But, you know, there's definitely benefits there. Um, now, so that's the extended edition you know that's of this movie all three movies had have them as well and then of course you know the other reason why we're talking about this movie today is because it's in line with the rings of power um a lot of rings rings of power the amazon prime series it's should be released by the time everybody's listening to that now do you know much about this this series jason 
no it's ex- it's expensive as, sh- as hell man uh, yeah <laughs> yeah man yeah it is no i, yes, I it is. it's one it's set a long yeah. time ago that that's all i know yeah it's <laughs> set about two thousand years before the uh lord of the rings movies um and it's um it's about the time when sauron actually makes the rings of power and all of that shit so it's you know it's his corruption and it kind of happens all you know it's all that time of the you know that of the age it's the first age or the end the end of the first age i think it is i don't know specifically anyway it costs about a million dollars to make so it's the most expensive tv series ever to be produced um this first series is filmed in new zealand but amazon are uh, shipping the second season over to the uk and ireland um which is a bit of sad because um you know up until now middle earth has been new zealand and now that's no longer going to be the case moving forward um, but it does have the creative team from the original trilogy involved as con- consultants. And Howard Shaw, uh, he's returned to compose the the theme. And then you've got Bear McCreary from Outlander. Have you, have you seen Outlander? That's, um, I don't know if you've um, seen Outlander or not. That's I, some brilliant I, score work there. I, I gave it two episodes and realised this show is not for me. <laughs> so I moved ah. on. I, 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 it, it hooked me. I actually haven't seen a single episode. Oh, right. But, no, um, well, I, it hooked me with I, the I, premise. I've listened to the music. It hooked me with the premise of, of a time traveling story, and I was like, "Okay, I'm in." And then it was, "Oh no, this is for women." <laughs> so it's it's like a romance. Oh, mate, it's like a romance go. epic. <laughs> ah, it has its fair. Nice. Well, we fair. actually, um, Laura, wife wife of the show, Laura. Um, she actually has a family member who's um, going to be in in it in the season seven. So that's what? interesting. Um, but anyway. Um, but we haven't started watching it, so we need to catch up before that comes out. Um, I'll tell you more about that off 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 mic, mate. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So Rings of Power that comes out should be out by the time everyone's listening to this. And then you know, I guess if you want to talk about some of the other legacy um, items, you've also got video games. But we already covered them um, in the in our Fellowship of the Ring uh, review, so go back and listen to that. Um, well, let's jump into it, I reckon, because we want to get cracking. We don't want to have an episode that's longer than the extended cut of the movie. No. So we pointed it out. This is It is a little bit confusing to some people. Um, the, the, the way that the storytelling happens, the way that the storytelling happens with this movie is it's split into three different, ti- um, not timelines, but journeys, and they're all intertwined intertwi- with each other. Um, and then it kind of continues like that a little bit with the uh, the third movie, but you get different characters then kind of splitting up again in, in the third movie. But for this one, so you got Frodo and Sam. At the end of the first movie, if you remember, you know they they were basically they had left the Fellowship. They'd had gone on ahead without them, um, and they were heading off to Mordor to throw the ring in the in the fires of Mount Doom. And so the first, yeah, the first of the three storylines, it's it's those two characters and they actually meet um gollum uh who is you know played by mo- motion capture with um by andy circus um he's like a shriveled up hobbit himself but he used to have the ring for like 500 years and it turned him into like a weird evil gross creature um and they also meet faramir along their way so their story they're just heading towards mordor and it's just a never-ending kind of hike for them really then you've got the second storyline um 
that's Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas. So they're pursuing uh, the Urukai that kidnapped uh, the hobbits, Merry and Pippin, at the end of the first movie. Um, and they ultimately end up, uh, I guess, pretty much fighting for uh, uh, the country Rohan, Rohan um, basically, um, and they end up in the big battle, playing a climat, uh, you know, a key role in the climactic battle to save that country. And then you've also got Merry and Pippin, the third storyline. So they, their storyline is about escaping the Urukai. They meet Treebeard, which is a living, walking tree, um, and they ultimately end up or play a key role in another battle called the Battle for Isengard. So there's three storylines, um, and our favourite characters—they're no longer that they're you know they're one entity like the Fellowship. They're now moving in their own three different paths. And I understand what you're saying that. Sometimes you do need a bit of a map to trace the where they're walking and where they're going. Yeah, for because sure. Because they kind of cross paths, and you and you, you, yeah, you lose you lose track of time and where they are. Um, and one thing I said to you, yes, you know, on the weekend, if you remember, um, when we were talking about this off mic, um, I mentioned to you that this the whole three two the, sorry the three movies actually take place over about thirteen months. And so I what don't you're believe seeing, you. I still don't feels believe like you. a couple of days. Yeah, I'm like, no, the whole trilogy is like a week. It's a really epic week. It, I mean, surely. It, it is not a week. So it's, but, a, it's 13, 13 months is what Frodo says. But the thing is, like, the end. Um, unless I'm severely missing something, like, the movie doesn't tell you that. Well, none of the movies so far, I mean, nothing's being date set. And I, I think you reference some, I think some bit of dialogue at the end of the third movie or something. But I'm like, okay, that's great for then. Yeah. And then yeah. I guess when I'm going to get to that, I'm going to be like, oh, wow. Yeah. But, no, I mean, you kind of spoiled that for me. But it is a little bit like, no, it, we seem like we're pretty much rapid fire. You know, like, everyone always makes the joke about, like, you know, the movies are just them walking. And it's like, well, not really. Like, there's a bit of walking. And I guess there's, a, especially mm. at, the, at the end of, well, you know, the second half of the Fellowship film, and then I bit him here, like they're walking, but it's like, you know what? Mm. Frodo and Sam, they do get to the gates of Mordor pretty early on in this movie. We're nowhere near yeah. the end of the of the trilogy yet. And yeah, absolutely. Like, it doesn't actually take them in terms mm. of actually watching the film, it doesn't take them that long to get to Mordor. Obviously, there's a little bit more to it. They've got to walk around instead. But it's like, yeah, they're you know, there's a lot more yeah. going on. And it is interesting that the different like way of telling this story, splitting our characters up, different storylines, we're following different things. Mm. Um, I'll admit, you know, a lot of the settings, because it's all beautiful, that New Zealand landscape, the mountains and all of that. I can't even, yeah. can't even, can't even then. Um, mm. A lot of it looks the same. I mean, <laughs> like, how do I tell the difference between that hillside, I mean, that rocky little mountain, that bit of rubble, that like, you know, those little, you know, the, you've got like these nice little <laughs> castle building things, but you know, they're, they're kind of falling to pieces and bits like that. It's like, all right, cool. I'm pretty much mapping it out yeah. by the characters I'm seeing on screen. Okay. I know these three are together. Awesome. But, um, you know, it yeah. is, the movie does throw a bunch mm. of new characters at you pretty much from the get go. Um, yeah, and I think it, yeah. unless you're well rehearsed in in these films and and you know watched them multiple times or read the source material, you are kind of left. And this again, this is just going by my experience. You are kind of left trying to catch up in terms of mm. okay, who's that guy? I get he's a king. Who's he the king of? Did I miss wh where that where the country was that he said it was? Is it even a country? 
Um, okay, yeah. I'm here in like Rohan. Okay, but where is Rohan in this grand scheme of things? How far away are Frodo mm. and Sam? And that's where it comes down to, you know what? I could just Google a map. And the thing is, I was asking my wife whilst watching yeah. this, just little questions, you know, like, where are they exactly? And she was kind of taking the piss out of me for being like, why are you asking so many yeah. questions? But at the same time, she also <laughs> couldn't answer them straight off the bat. She also needed to look it up. Yeah. It's complicated. It's yeah. not a bad thing. But like it is complicated. There's a lot it going is, on. <clears throat> it is it is complicated. And a lot a lot of it is, you know, <clears throat> you know, if you've so if you've read the books, for example, then you you've got you've you would have gone on the journey, you know, a little, a little, with a little bit more context, and so you do understand a little bit more. Like you know where Rohan is, and you know where Isengard is in regards to that, and you know where Fanghorn Forest is because you, yeah, they, they yeah. spell it out. And you know, when I mean, you're reading the books, there's also the maps that you're looking at. And I've stuff got to well. say, but after I get what you're saying, I after understand. looking at a map of Middle Earth, after talking to you, mm. after talking to my wife. Hmm. I've got a clear picture. <laughs> like, okay. It was, yeah, it cool, was homework cool, cool, that cool. I had to do. They're basically okay. it's they're, all, they're heading east. They're always heading east. That's oh, always yeah. heading east. Yeah. yeah. That's, yes. So, yes, that's the direction the map goes. But, yeah. But what you, what you got to the timing, you know, and I know it's I know what you're saying. Like I understand it's hard to kind of gauge what's going on. But sometimes they do put like some dialogue in there. I I mentioned about the you know the Frodo thing saying in in the in the Return of the King. But even in this one, they do mention, so um, Gandalf says, you know, he's about to ride off to go muster the Rohirrim, like Eomer's army, because they're over somewhere else. And he says, look for me on the the fifth day. Um, I'll be coming on the fifth day. So he's, you know, that's him indicating that it's a five-day ride. And they say that every now and then, like, he says in, in the fellowship, no, in the in the next movie, you'll, you'll hear him say, you know, it's a six-day ride to Minas Tirith, and we hope that you know, as the Nazgul flies, kind of thing. You know, as the crow flies. So they do like they'll just put these little snippets of time where it's like four days of riding, day and night, kind of thing. Yeah, the, the people. No, you're been, right. You're um, right. They they do Aragon that. and Gim- Gimli and Legas. Like they do say they've been running for three days and night straight, kind of thing. So like they they mention it, but. <clears throat> they don't really go too into too much detail on how many dis like how much distance has really been covered, but it's a fair amount. It's a it's a bloody it's a big place. It's a big gotta, big place. You just so, got to add it all um, together once they're all done. <laughs> you, you you do, but but I mean, but it is a it's a it's definitely a valid kind of comment on. It is a bit confusing. You don't know where these people are and how far away. But I do like the storytelling in this. How you know, like you got. For three days straight, you've got Legolas and, and Aragorn and Gimli. They're chasing down the Urukai, And by the time they catch up to him, basically, you know, the Urukai already been killed by Eomer and his horse, like his Rohirrim people. And But then you get that fl- you get a flashback and you find out how Merry and Pippin actually survived and how they got away from it. So they keep touching base with each other's story. Like you find, um, you know, Merry and Pippin see Gandalf but you don't, he don't, they don't interact with him. And then the next time you see kind of, you know, the trio walking through the forest, then they see Gandalf and you find out that, you know, they're only a couple of days apart from each other. And it's, so if you, yeah, the more times you watch it, I guess you kind of understand where people are moving and how they're all kind of traveling through it. All. No, that that's it. And um, but I, I guess... do like that. The, 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 the... <clears throat> I was going to say, like, even, 
even though I'm probably sounding pretty neg- I'm, I'm sounding pretty negative on, on the on the fact that it's like, what the hell's going on? Blah blah blah. I get to the end of the movie, mm. and it's pretty like it seems like almost like it it is mapped out in my head. Again, I don't know exactly where everything is because I hadn't looked at the map at that point, but I understood what each what was happening in each storyline enough that it was like, okay, yeah. I get it. I've worked a little. Okay, mm. he's the king of that thing. That's that guy's brother. You know, like when they're crossing paths mm. and then these characters are meeting up and it's like, okay, now they're, yeah. And, and do you know what? We get that whole, that whole mm. big battle sequence and how can you not watch this yeah. and not have a good time just watching them push over ladders and taking out, you know, like yeah, the troll people things. I know they have a different just, name. It, I just don't care. <laughs> but Ur- it's Ur- Ur- Urukai. Urukai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're called Urukai, yeah, but that's yeah, fine. Um, yeah. But, but one, one one criticism I do have about <laughs> one criticism I do have about this movie is I do feel sometimes it is jarring, like particularly during that third act when you're at you're at the Battle of Helm's Deep, and then all of a sudden you cut from that to Mary and Pippin riding on the shoulders of a tree, hobbits on and a they're tree, trying to convince him to go to war, <laughs> kind of thing. Um, hobbits on a tree, and you and you. Like, Come and on, like, no, do but it. I want to see no. more of the action. <laughs> yeah, he's like, no, it's... I don't want to. Or, or you know, it takes him a day to say yeah. hello to his friends or something like that. Why? Why does but, it matter um, to us? So the pa- the pacing does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are part of the world, um, but I mean, I think that's quite clever how they, um, you know, like they convince them. You know, they they lead them to Isengard to see just how bad it is. Um, without him realizing and then as soon as that happens he manages to say let's go fight very fucking quickly but anyway um yeah but i like yeah i do like that then you know the the, the three different storylines kind of intertwining with each other but you know being their own independent story as well i i, I do i do like the way it is like the movie actually opens with with a dream sequence and it's it's actually frodo dreaming of what he believed gandalf went through when he fell down the, the mines and was you know being attacked by the Balrog sequence? in the previous movie. I just thought that it's was a dream like, sequence, but it's. Con- I just thought that was like just watching the scene play out from Gandalf's point of view. <laughs> no, so you see, you see, you see the you see the rest of the you see the rest of the fight later when Gandalf is re- saying how he came back, but that sequence is, you know. Um, that you know, um, uh, Frodo wakes up with a jar, you know, as they, you know, as they they're crashing into the water. But the whole sequence is brilliant. You know, it just sets the pace and it reminds it, it reminds the uh, the viewer, you know, what's the, you know what happened in the previous movie and, and well, it picks up immediately where it left off. And, when we when yeah. we put this movie on, I was almost like because it had been a few days since we had watched Fellowship, and I was like, I can't remember. Do they do mm. like almost like a previously on kind of thing? And then they give us that scene, and I'm like, no, but this is a good way of doing it because it's sort of like it's a recap without mm. recapping. It's like we get to see this epic scene, but then it's like it's a different or it's yeah. a little bit more. And it's like, yeah, because in, in my head, I'm like, yeah, it's, a, it's from his point of view, but I guess, okay, it's a dream sequence, whatever. <laughs> Same effect, though. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it doesn't really explain it whether or not it actually really, like, if somehow Frodo was seeing, like, you know, telepathically or, you know, because it's all magic and all that stuff too, you know. But the idea is it is a like Frodo wakes up from a dream, you know, and he's just imagining what it would have been like. But 
you, you see later anyway, Gandalf does fight the Balrog and kills it. So you you kind of it all kind of works. So it's interesting. But um, the uh, yeah, the, the battle. It's a, it's just a really good way of setting the pace at the at the start and recapping. And that's when you you know that first little moment. This is what the next scene I've got here is that you know that's where you meet Gollum. So they knew that he they were being stalked and followed by Gollum throughout the mines in the first movie, and you know all the way all the way through the first one that he they were being followed. Um, and here here's where you actually get to see that CGI character for the first time, you know, interacting with Frodo and Sam. And it's, um, it's really quite impressive, you know, it, it, like they really, catch him, catch him off guard and they, yeah, he, he really does as a character, like sort of, he is really brought to life, which is cool. Um, and I like how he's introduced, you know, like he's this freakish monster and it's all, you know, he's, he's all like, ah, you know, the, his, his golem side, but then, mm. you know, like through Frodo and, you know, we get to see his his Smeagol side, and it's you know it's a little bit more still kind of freaky, but less freaky. <laughs> it's a little bit sweeter, but I yeah, it is it is good because it's really it, yeah. you, you needed something with Frodo and Sam. You can't just have the two hobbits just sort of alone, just hanging out. Mm. Having Gollum as this sort of problematic third in their trio, it it adds a good mm. dynamic, and it's it's a good part. Of this movie, oh, it's, it's got to separate the characters. It's it's, a, it's it was the perfect time to in, introduce them. Yeah, I, I agree. And and the um, you know, it, it even there's even throwbacks, you know, to like how connected the trilogy is. Like in the Fellowship of the Ring, in the mines, they acknowledge that Gollum's following them, and and Gandalf turns around to Frodo and he says something along the lines of, like, well, no, Frodo says Bilbo should have killed him in the, you know when he had the chance, which was talking about back what happened in the Hobbit movie or Hobbit, Hobbit books, because um, Bilbo pitied him. And then Gandalf says in that moment, he goes, we think that I, I feel that Gollum has got a bigger play, you know, role to play in all of this. And so the, the pity of Bilbo might rule the fates of many. And that's exactly what happens. Like they cannot, they couldn't possibly have gotten to Mordor in the next movie without Gollum or Smeagol or whatever he Call himself, you know, like without him, them getting like being the guide. So it just, yeah, it's really good how it kind of connects in that way throughout all three movies, you know. Um, and Gollum, yeah, he's, you know, he's he's basically a bipolar or a schizophrenic person, like where he he's got an evil side and a and um yeah and a and a nice pleasant side, and and Frodo manages to bring the pleasant side out, um, even though, you know, he is still evil down to his core thanks to the ring. Like the um, Angolan is so, and then you get you know so you you got Frodo and Sam and and Gollum then is guiding them towards you know um, Mordor, and then you you cut back to uh, you know I guess the the experiences of um, of Aragorn and and Merry and all that, and then they all, they meet Gandalf. So you, that's where we learn what really happened to Gandalf, and he fought the Balrog, and he fought it in the water, and he climbed up to the top of the peaks, and he cast it down and then he died himself but then he was sent back because his job wasn't done it's all very weird <laughs> um but that's when you know i said at the start that you know gandalf he gets an upgrade and basically he he comes back as gandalf the white whereas he died as gandalf the gray and he's basically replaces saruman then as the leader of the wizards because he 
I guess he's the one that the all-powerful people, whoever the hell they are, um, they determined that he was the one on the right path to help everybody. So they gave him all the powers to Look, come back. I mean, definitely a very epic moment when when a shiny new white Gandalf, all nice and shampooed up, um, appears. Mm. I mean, in my head, I'm Absolutely. like, okay, I, this makes no sense to me, but I mean, magic, so I'm all for it. <laughs> Like, I don't know what's happening. Well, it, it, that that stuff is actually that stuff that stuff is actually quite um quite faithful to the law in the way that it's reflecting on that you know there's higher powers above them like they're pretty much gods right and they don't really talk about it in the movies except for this moment where he gets sent back because he hasn't finished his work and he himself oh. like all the wizards the 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 law behind it is the wizards are gods they're not actually human. Um, they're they're a race, and I can't remember what they're called, like Maya or something like that. Um, but anyway, they they take the form of men, but they're actually not. They're like beings. They're beings of light and power and all this stuff. And you've got like the scale of light. Like white is meant to be every color, if you think of it like that. So Saruman the white, he was the leader because he was all the colors. And then he turns bad in this movie. He's corrupted. And so when they send Gandalf back, they say, "Look, you're actually the white one. You've, you've, you're the one on the right path. So here, you have all the powers. So that's why he's blinding white. But it's also interesting because when they, um, when they introduce Gandalf, you actually have Christopher Lee voice, voicing it over because the idea is you're meant to think that it's Saruman is walking around the forests. Yes, definitely. Um, I was like, bad guy. I was like, yeah, isn't he that's, that's what that's what the intention power. is. Yeah. Mm, interesting well he's not like he walks around the forest here and there and he's apparently you know he talks to animals and that to get the news and all that like, all to get the news. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. but then yeah so you you think and and the characters think that it's saruman and that's why they attack him um and then he deflects it all and does all that and then they realize oh my god it's gandalf and then was... gandalf says i've been away yeah. for like you know, a life age of the world. That's how long I've been away. But for you, it's been like a month <laughs> or something like that. You so, didn't give yeah. a time frame, I swear. <laughs> no, nah, but look, I think it definitely was a better summary. Um, he gets an upgrade. That's, yeah, that makes more sense to yeah, me. Yeah, he gets an upgrade. <laughs> he died, he come back, he got... He killed upgrade. a Balrog. He got, he got all the... <laughs> He got he got he got he got all the XP for killing the Balrog while everybody else ran away and then he gets the upgrades. So... Uh, so you get that you get you know one of the other standout scenes was um you get the dead marshes and that's where Gollum's leading Frodo and um Sam across you know this big desolate field um the dead marshes and there's all these dead bodies in the water and they corrupt him they corrupt you and they try to lead you to um to you know drown I guess that's actually the scene if you remember from the first movie the prologue where they're having the big giant battles like the dead marshes is one of those battlegrounds. Oh. That's, hey, they're all the... like dead elves and dead orcs and all that. Yeah, not not to sidetrack, but is the prologue from the Fellowship is that the like the time of the TV series that we're getting? Yes. So the oh, TV series cool. will end at that at that point. Oh, oh. At that point when Saruman Sar- <laughs> gets the ring cut off, that's the end of that age. So oh, right. so we'll what you'll see over the next few series or whatever is you'll see them building towards that moment. It'll literally so, give us um, a finger when they're done. Yeah, yep. basically. Um, <laughs> you get, you get, we get to meet King Theoden. That's a stand uh, scene. That's where 
he's a shriveled old dirty man and that's because he's got an evil guy named Wormtongue whispering in his ear, played by Brad Dorif. Um, and then when, you know, Gandalf comes in the room, he's the more powerful wizard, so he knocks out all that corruption and turns him into, you know, reinvigorates him. It's a very interesting sequence. I didn't quite get it the first time I watched it. Um, but yeah, yeah, well, yeah. it's funny. I'm, like, I'm watching it and I'm like, It's all oh, magic look. and stuff. I was like, look, the return of the king. <laughs> but too early, obviously. <laughs> no, different king, different king. Okay. Yes, we'll, correct. We'll wait. Yep, not yet. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but but King King Theoden and and Bernard Hill, he's actually one of my favourite characters in the trilogy. He has because he has such an amazing redemption arc, um, which we'll talk about, I guess, when we talk about the third movie. Just really how far he travels. But he's you know at this point he thinks that he's failed everybody. Um, he's being you know being given all of the bad advice from the the corrupter dude Wormtongue, who's actually like a spy for Saruman, so he's acting through him, um, and then. Uh, he finds out that, you know, while he was under the spell of this people, like his son got killed by the orcs and he's let the orcs run around everywhere. And he, so he feels shame that he, he's let his family down and he's, he doesn't have a son anymore and he's let his people down. And that's why his, his whole arc is around um, being worthy of the people, like his ancestors and stuff like that. So, and he gets that moment later in the next movie um, and this one as well. You get the Black Gate, you said it before. So Frodo and Sam, like Gollum takes them to the Black Gate and then they decide that it's impossible to get through there. So they um, they decide to go around, <laughs> I guess. I guess that's what they do. So, but um, then you get the wargs of Isengard. The wargs are those big wolves. So you get, you know, you've got all of the people from Rohan who are evacuating to Helm's Deep because all of these big, this big army is coming. And uh, along the way, they, yeah, they get attacked. They get ambushed by these big giant wolves. That's a pretty cool sequence, and that's where they, they think Aragorn dies, and like he, well, everyone thinks he dies in that. And I'm listening to myself explaining this, and it would not make any sense at all unless you've seen this bloody movie. And mm. I know that you've seen it, and you're I've probably seen the movie. still scratching your head on some of it. I'm actually legit like that. Yeah. There were big wolves in this movie. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Where were you doing? So they, no, you know, you've got all of the people from um, that, yeah, and like no, you know, Aragon dies. Well, the he, thing is, well, he like, falls off a cliff, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my takeaway from, I feel like the most interesting thing that happened in pretty much all of that that was going on was mm. Aragon falling off the cliff and being like, you know, like the dun dun dun. Oh my god, he might yeah. be dead, but he's obviously not. And then he comes back, and you're like, yeah, yeah, mm. but yeah. For me, I'll be honest, and you know, like you're talking about all these things that are that are happening and going on. The movie doesn't really become mm. that thrilling until the the Battle of Helm Deep. That's that's it. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. There's a lot of, yeah. and I think that's because um, it's like we are again. I, I mentioned like we're being introduced to like you know King Theoden and you know. Um, uh, uh, I don't know, Faramir and all that kind of stuff. And you're just trying to navigate and you're just trying to work it out. And there's, yeah. even though there's action sequences, I'm like, eh, I don't know. I wasn't into them as much as, oh. as later on where it gets pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, like, and that's, like, I understand, like, yeah, it's the, it's the climax. It's the third act of this film that really, really does 
really have the impact. Like they're, they're most of us, just like everyone says, they're just walking, like they're evacuating a city, you know, like they're all, <laughs> they're, just, they're in a big, they're in a big kind of conga line and, you know, they, but then they get ambushed by these, these wolves and then they, they have to, yeah, they have a big battle and Aragorn almost dies and there's just lots of stuff going on. And yeah, you're right. New characters, it is a little bit hard to follow. And, but the good thing is you've got your trilogy, not your trilogy, you've got your, like your, your characters from the the first movie that they're, they're the staples they're the ones who are holding it together like you're following them and you're meeting all these new characters but it's ultimately following you know the, those lead characters from the fellowship um you're following their journey through this whole world um you said before you meet we meet faramir so sam and frodo and Gollum they they meet faramir when they uh i guess faramir is out and about with his rangers and they're like killing big elephant things and stuff and all of that um and that's where you learn who faramir is. like you learn that boromir had a brother and all that kind of jazz faramir takes them to um the city osgiliath which is just like a ruined city and it's like constantly on the edge of battle all the time and you get to like there's a really amazing moment where the nazgul who are now flying on the big you know dragon things um they, you know, they can always sense the ring. And there's a moment where, like, Frodo's kind of, like, can tell that the Witch King's right there. And he says, you know, they're here. They've come. And then you hear the big scream of the the what the black, you know, the black riders. And it's really quite a nice, not nice, but really cool moment. Like, it just doesn't seem to end. Like, there's constantly always something happening with all three oh, different storylines. There's, there's, there's nice little yeah. sequences and... It, it's almost like oh haunting mm. like especially with those with those black riders yeah yeah the black riders and yeah the nazgul like they yeah it is haunting like you hear especially when when the witch king is nearby and everything like they all of the background noise dulls out and all you can mm. hear is like a heartbeat and the flapping of the wings and then he just like looks to the sky and he goes they're here and then yeah. you hear the scream and they're oh it's beautiful it's really I remember cool there was I, a... I think that's, that's one of my that's one of my favorite moments I remember there was a few moments, you know, like when, um, when like they're like Frodo, Sam, and Gollum, and they're they're trying, you know, like Frodo like uses the mm. his like coat thing to or whatever his robe to like disguise it. It looks like a rock, and I just I said to my oh, wife, yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, why doesn't he just put the ring on? And she just looks at me, shakes my head, I'm like, no, nah, <laughs> like, they're outside, no, because they're outside the gates the... of Mordor, and it's just like. No, <laughs> don't don't be stupid. Okay, yeah, that's, I get it. I that's get the it. reason. That's the reason. <laughs> that's the reason. Because because as soon as they put the ring on, Sour, they'll know exactly where he is, and they'll be like, "Oh, cool. We don't want we don't want to do that." Quick, no, pretend that, to be a rock. Remember, you, you don't remember, but <laughs> you don't remember, but in the first movie, Galadriel, um, Kate Blanchett, she says, "Here, are these coats let them hide you from." you know, unwanted eyes and things like that. I remember what, none of that. That didn't happen. Surely not. <laughs> no, all right. Okay. No, it, but that, it definitely happened cool. when she's giving him the gift, the gifts at the end. Yeah. Oh. And then we got, so uh, we're talking standout scenes as well. And we'll, we'll just finish off. You get the two climactic battles um, that, you know, kind of finish off the movie. You get pretty much the whole third act is the Helm's Deep battle, um, which is, you know, 10,000 Urukai storming the fortress, trying to, yeah, it's a siege battle. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but and then you've got the retaking of Isengard, and that's where Merry and Pippin convince the trees to go to war because all of their family have been slaughtered by Saruman, and they 
yeah, they they go to town on it. It's good fun. You know what? That's um, that's it although, right there. That, yeah. By the end of this movie, that's what the point of this middle chapter, I think, really ultimately is. It's like, all right, cool. The the yeah. war has now begun. Like it's kicked off. So you get to the end yeah. of this movie, and you're like, okay, we're like at first it was just we just got to go on this adventure and protect this little hobbit and get that ring to that little mm. fiery pit. And now it's like, okay, do that whilst the war has broken out. And it's like, oh, that's going to make it complicated. Yeah. And that third film. And it's like, cool. There's the anticipation. Yeah. Let's chuck on that third film. Mm. And that's it. That's the thing. Like it just, it es- keeps escalating. It just keeps getting yeah. worse and worse and worse. Stuff in middle earth just keeps getting worse. It's really rough. Yeah, it's a very <laughs> shit place to live. Yeah, yeah. But but it's really cool. Like with with this, like you start like with the end of the first movie, you've got that little band, not a little band, like you know, say fifty hundred Urukai, right? The bad guys, like the orcs, and that's that's what Saruman has created. That fifty or so, that small army, and then halfway through this movie, you get that view where he looks out over his tower out at Isengard and there's just 10,000 of them and all of a sudden you're like those guys were badass in the, at the end of that first movie and now there's 10,000 of the bloody things and you're like it, it, yeah it's just that the stakes go up and the same thing happens in the third movie you see when the Rohan riders arrive and they're about to do like a big cavalry charge and you get the one look out over the city that's being destroyed kind of thing or attacked and there's a hundred thousand orcs and you're like holy shit like they just the scale that they do with these movies um and the battles it's just it's really really achieved like something it's something amazing something to but, behold you know Jason. something it, to behold it's a, it's also worth noting it's like you know you've heard me talk obviously like I've, I've enjoyed so much like the the battle of helm's deep because you know mm. something that's like oh wow this is getting pretty big and crazy it is tiny compared mm. to what comes in that third film that like the escalation of yeah. of things like what was the big climactic thing mm. in 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 the fellowship oh they were in the you know in the mine cavey thing wherever they were i forget and it was like uh, it was just no like that wasn't the, the climax it was they were in the they were in the forest and they were having having to fight like a hundred of the the the, the Uruk-hai. oh no that's true yeah, yeah that was they, after yeah yeah that was after yeah. wasn't it yeah. yeah, but yeah, you had like even a then, midway climax. Even then, what was that week. like? Yeah, a, a dozen or so, bunch of bunch of dudes like hassling them. Yeah, to, a couple. Of, it's like a like, hundred at the most. Was it a hundred then? No, I don't know. I don't know. But then, well, yeah, they kill. They kill heaps of them. They kill heaps of them. Yeah. True. So, I just mean like in my mind still, though, yeah, it just yeah. seems like from like just the the the, the big conflict in fellowship to this pretty epic battle mm. in in two towers and then the mm. all-out wall wall uh, in the third film it's, it's just yeah it's like oh my god oh my god and it just gets it yeah. just gets crazy and oh, it, just, it makes me just and, want to what, turn to just makes me want to turn the mic off jason and start watching return of the king mate that's what it makes me want to do so if you go so, quiet that's, that's what you're doing there is a lot of war a lot of fighting and battling in the third one but look we'll get to it one yeah. day one day spoke before about Gollum, right so you know the the critics were saying you know one of the most believable lifelike um cgi characters that has ever been created 
So Gollum was actually, yeah, who's portrayed by Andy Serkis in, um, in uh, you know, motion capture and voice. But originally, um, like Weta began, like he was meant to be just pure CGI with no motion capture. And Weta actually began animating Gollum back in 1998. And they did that basically as a, as a kind of a, um, like a showcase reel for New Line Cinema to say, look, this is what we want to do. But at that point, it was just going to be a CGI character with no, like maybe a stand-in, but not motion capture, nothing like that. Um, Weta hadn't really de- developed the, uh, the, I guess, the tech at that point. And then, so it was only in, like, Peter Jackson saw, um, he basically changed his mind on, on, on the, what the style of the character would be and how they were going to deliver it after he saw Andy Serkis's audition tape. So what you see in this movie, the CGI that, that you know, that's created, it was actually a different model. The, 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 the golem that you see in the first movie, they still use, like, if you look carefully, they look like different creatures, and that's because they're a different model. Like some of those finished cuts were already done and completed before. So there are, like, when you see him in the mines um, and when he's kind of hiding behind things, his eyes and everything are a little bit different because they uh, they chose to make a different CG model um, once Andy Serkis kind of joined and they decided to go with uh, motion capture. And I'm very glad they did. But a little thing, um, the uh, the each frame of the footage, it took over four hours to render each frame because of the level of detail in the skin and the, and the skin tension and the skin tone and all that. So it was, it's, you know, I mean, I don't know about you, but... It's bloody impressive. I think it's incredible. Even to even now, twenty years later. Yeah. Look, I'll say. Look, the the finished product, um, both with a lot of the visual effects in this film, and especially with Gollum, they're not one hundred percent perfect. If you were looking at it as something that came mm. out today, it would probably be pretty criticised. Yes. But man, this is two thousand and two. Mm. It's pretty good. And again, talking specifically with Gollum. It's it's pretty it's pretty good. There are some visual effects in this film though that are very CGI heavy that through our eyes that you know we're we're trained to see we we can identify that it's like mm. that is computer generated that's not real. The illusion is broken. That's fine. It's yeah. it's in this movie. It is what it is. It yeah. w- but still for two thousand two, not bad. Um, what they're able to achieve and and what mm. this movie did for motion capture as a form of um creating visual effects and um you know actual creature characters or yeah. other humans in terms of both film video mm. games other kind of uh, any other form of, of medium that uses that kind of thing it it expanded it it blew up it became sort of the thing and, and andy Sergis, you know like mm. has gone on to to drive that you know like take the planet of the apes films for instance like you know he's there playing caesar doing the, yeah. doing his doing his golem thing it really was an effect that works and it's very effective mm. to the point where it's like, I believe that that is a character and the expressions, the stuff that Andy Serkis is doing mm. with his face for the emotion. You can't help but like this freaky little mm. dude. It's, it's nuts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. His performance is brilliant. Um, and you know, that's the first time we, the world had really seen something like this. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it is incredible. And yeah, like you said, like Andy Serkis paved the way for this kind of thing. He became Caesar. He became King Kong. Like he's just done such an amazing work. And now it's 
now it's work that gets used all the time. Like it's, it is really incredible. Um, I just, yeah, it boggles my mind. It took just each frame took over four hours to render. But then if you, the next little fact that we've got here is so Treebeard, the level of detail in Treebeard, it took 28 to 48 hours to render each frame of completed visual effects. That's insane. Too many, too many, too many leaves. Um, and I have to admit, I, <laughs> too many leaves. Too I just, um, yeah. And to be honest, actually watching it now, I don't necessarily see what the complexity was, but you know, um, but anyway, they, they, they made a 14 foot puppet, um, foot tall, or that's 4.3 meters tall puppet that they use for any of the scenes where Treebeard is actually interacting with Merry and Pippin. So as we said, you know, he carries them and they ride on his shoulder. He They ride on his shoulders as they're in the forest and stuff like that. Interestingly, they actually had two bike seats that were kind of hidden on, on his body, on Treebeard, on the puppet's body. Um, so that was so the actors could just stay there for hours and kind of keep doing the shots. But every time the cast broke for some breaks, they actually, because they were so high up and it was just too hard to get them unharnessed and everything, they basically just left them sitting <laughs> in the chairs on top of the puppet. I don't know about you, but I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't sit in a box seat for for that long. Oh my god, my butt, my poor yeah. butt. <laughs> well, well, I don't. I don't know about you, but I couldn't act in a movie. So, to be oh, well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so we have lots there's, of. Yes, there's plenty of things that they can do better than me. And, and yeah, I guess sitting on a bike seat for hours is one of them. Um, and Fangorn Forest itself, so the big forest sets. Um, in order to, you know, to save money, um, but also have a realistic kind of environment, they actually were, um, they were, the forest was actually built on four movable um, big dollies. Um, and they just basically would be rotated and reconfigured in a cube or in a square to make it look like they were passing new trees and new things in all of the different shots. But they really just were the four big giant sets that, you know, were reconfigured to make it look like it was much bigger than it really was, um, which I thought was really quite interesting. Um, I, I saw that on the uh, the extended edition Blu-ray um, in there. You know, they've got all those special features there. Um, so I thought you might find that interesting. Um, and then if we're talking special effects and visual effects and stuff, like clearly you have to talk about the climax. So the Battle of Helm's Deep. Um, so I said before, like it took three months of mostly night shoots to film this. Um, and and uh, all of the crew and the cast and the extras, they all got shirts that said, um, I survived Helm's Deep because they, you know, it was just, you know, an insane amount of work and, and, uh, and you know, a, a traumatic time for for everybody involved. But the, they had over 500 um, Maori extras that um, stood in as the Urukai in full armor, armor and, um, you know, battle weaponry and all of that. And then they had 100 extras who were dressed up as humans and elves. So, you know, 600 extras just kind of, as well as lead actors and stuff, on a set that was actually one to four scale size. Like the war its, wall itself was like over like like 50, um yeah, it's like 50 foot long or something like that. It was, it's pretty, pretty crazy. And they actually blew it up as a practical effect. Like it, it is really incredible what they did. Um, and Peter Jackson, in, um, when he pitched it to New Line Cinemas, he actually, so they had a one to 35 scale model and he, he had 40,000 toy soldiers that he used to demonstrate and plan out what the battle would happen and the different sequences and how it would evolve. 
and he oh, used that to convince New Line Cinema. Just like a battle room, like, <laughs> like a strategy. Yeah, so, it. and, but can you imagine how much fun how much fun it would be? Um, now we said it that we mentioned in the um, in Fellowship of the Ring, but I'll just mention it here as well. Um, Weta, the, the the special effects company behind these movies. They actually developed um, a software called Massive Software, and this is where they created um, CGI models of, you know, army, like, you know, soldiers, mm. um, but they gave specific um, AI to each one so they could interact with each other and fight each other. Um, and so that's where you get 10,000, the ability to have 10,000 soldiers on screen fighting each other and make it look realistically and photorealistic because they've created software that duplicates these people but they've got yeah specific ai that fights each other um and yeah that's what they did with with helm's deep it was really it's the first time they really you really saw out of this trilogy what that technology could do and you know that's obviously paved the way for entire genres now which it's pretty impressive stuff um and the battle itself um like it's actually well so I was reading, watching a um a featurette on this, and um, there's a couple on YouTube. They really like it breaks down, I guess, like the scaling and the space. Um, yeah, uh, the I guess the way that the um the battle itself is crafted, and like this itself, like you've got ten thousand characters on screen or whatever it is, and you've got you know all these things happening, but all of the turning points in in the battle itself, they they only it's only one individual person that's doing it or there's two people so like you've got before the war blows up it's just legolas and aragon and this dude running around with a torch you know like and when when the battle's turning towards like the um you know the uh, the elves they're doing a huge volley and then it's just taking out a hundred thousand of them all but it's only focusing on one or two elves it doesn't show it shows you a big broad scale but it brings it right into the individuals when there's a turning point for the battle. Every time there's a turning point, um, it's usually only one or two th characters that are making it happen. That's the scale of the special effects. And, and you know, they're talking about, like, you know, the, the models of the sets and everything. A wonderful scale set of Helm's Deep that's bloody huge and the, the forest, all of that stuff. So that's one impressive thing. But another really impressive thing, one of the things for me anyway, for all three of these movies is the score. Um, so Howard Shaw is on the score. This one, now, the, I, I, I believe that the Lord of the Rings scores are memorable. Um, like there's something that if you hear them, um, especially like the Hobbit themes and, you know, and the, you know, the Re Return of the King thing, like, you know, dun, 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 that's like that thing. But this score, I feel is a little bit more subtle and not as well known. Would you agree, Jason? I'm going to level with you. I'm going to be real serious here. Yeah. The Lord of the Rings scores are fantastic. They're great. They're great. They're epic. They're grand. Mm -hmm. Is this not just the same score? Like, honestly, like, is this not? I mean, obviously, no. there's different no. scenes and there's some newer characters, but I mean, overall, it sounds the same. <laughs> it sounds the same. I... So so I it's so different so it's not it's not i can point out the differences <laughs> with this one so so with it with the first movie you get like a lot of um woodwind um you know kind of like the hobbits have their own specific theme no no, no i get it and, and, it, and know, in return like, of the king you've got yeah. this more but with this movie you get um you get this 
um, I mean, I can't even freaking hum it or anything, but it's like a violin kind of tone for Rohan, and it's a different. It has a different motive. Okay, yeah. And then you've also got the 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 drums and the horns of that. Do 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 do. Sure. So, yeah, so obviously that's the stuff introduce... like for, for Isengard. So yeah. they have so yeah. they they've introduced new pieces for the locations or thematically something different happening. This battle, that, you know, yeah. We, I mean, like they would do with anything, like and and we do get some repeat things with, you know, like when they're when the Fellowship are you know still on their happy trails. Well, not really, but you know, like when they're you've at least got like yeah. Aragorn and Legolas and stuff. You know, like they're they're going on a bit of a walk. It's like, oh yeah, there's that music again. Or it's like, okay, we've got the Hobbits sort of tune. Obviously, we're mm. not really getting the, yeah, uh, you know, we don't get the music of the Shire or anything in this one because we're not there. But yeah, like, yeah, overall, I, I get it. There's there's new pieces for for different things, and of course that means a different score. Yes, but overall, I mean, it's it's not like there's anything being reinvented here. It's the same composer, is it not? Like it is, it's the same. Yeah, it is the same composer. Yeah, like the yeah. whole way through. Yeah. There, there's. So yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, he's just you know it's <clears> consistent. <throat> I mean, and again, it's not a bad thing. Yeah, like it I said it's great. Yeah. It's just like it just sounds. It all sounds of one piece, which again, not a bad thing. It's just I couldn't tell you the difference between yeah. <laughs> moving to the next. I could, I I could, but I think that's I'm 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 unique. I'm unique in a sense. Um, I I can tell the difference between the, yeah. the Hobbit I mean, themes. It's just the different Isengard when themes, the Rohan themes, and then the the Gondorian themes. Yeah. If they were like okay for the second film, we're bringing in this composer to to do it, and suddenly there's a different flavor, or like take like the Harry Potter films for instance. You yeah. know, you, you had John Williams for the first two films, and then um, it sort of changed. I think it was different for the third mm, one, and then mm. uh, you know they mix it up every now and then. Suddenly yeah. it's like, okay, we're getting, you know, that John Williams mo- motif, but then we are getting an overall different atmospheric mm. thing. We're here, it's like, it's pretty consistent. And again, not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. But you couldn't tell me, hey, which is your favorite mm. score? Uh, Fellowship, Two Towers, or Return of the King? Like, get out of here. I have no idea. Like, mm. <laughs> it's the same score. Well, well the, tr- the truth is, the, 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 the themes the themes are more tailored to the characters not to the actual and that's where you get those I, movies, like those so. clearer yeah. identifying you get, you get expansions on yeah. it yeah and i do so not get, disagree yeah you get in this movie you get the you get yeah you get the industrial tones and like the hammering of metals and stuff like that but that's only when you're talking about isengard and the urukai and stuff and then you get um like like i said the Ro, rohan they have more like a like a violin playing um and it is, it's a slightly different motif, but it's it becomes their signature thing. And like in the next movie, when they're charging into the battle, it's that that's that tone. Like you, you hear, it. so you you get to pick it up with the characters, not necessarily the movie itself. Um, but it's brilliant. But one one of the like one thing that I was surprised with was that this was the only movie like the score in the scores in this movie didn't get um, Academy Award nomination, but the other two did. Um, which is a shame because, like we said, it's not necessarily a movie-based score. It's about the characters. So that would mean that the, the introduced scores for this movie, which would be Rohan and Isengard, were not good enough to, <laughs> I guess, to compete against, not compete against, but, 
you know, they, they weren't as competitive as, say, the Hobbit score or the King, you know, the they were good, and stuff. but they weren't that good. Nah, it, mm. it's a good yeah. score. It's a good one. Score. One thing I'm really excited about, one, yeah, I think so. And, and one thing I'm really excited about, um, I mentioned it before about, um, you know, uh, the Amazon Prime series, but to have Howard Shaw come in and do the theme, yeah. the overall theme for that show, brilliant. And I've heard it, I've listened to it on Spotify, it's already released. So between Howard Shaw and Bear McCreary, it sounds good and it sounds like Lord of the Rings. And what it do you get from that? It's going really to feel with this. It's going to feel like it's of this world, like as in this Peter Jackson film yeah. world, because we, we, you're going to get that. Even if yeah. it's subliminal, you're going to feel like you're in the same mm. Middle Earth, which is going to be exciting. Yeah, and that's what I think I'm... I'm so glad that that's what their choice was to go down that road instead of um, reinventing something, you know, and coming up with its own tone and aesthetic. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that series. Um, and I'm, you know, the thing is, if that series bombs and it's just shit, we've still got these, like, a, a big fan like myself, I could always still watch this trilogy. I could always watch this movie, number two, you know, in, in sequence or out of sequence, and I would still be a happy man anyway. So, but I've, I do have high hopes for the series coming as well. Um, so, look, that look, we've covered so much information about this movie, and I could just harp on for hours and hours and hours and hours, two times the extended edition if I had to. But I'm not going to. I think what we do is we wrap it there and we have our quiz. What do you reckon about that, Jace? Yeah, you know, you know, I'm nervous. <laughs> this one. Yeah, I know. I but know. Bring it on, so ladies and yeah. ladies and gentlemen. I <laughs> I do have ten questions um, prepared here for Jason. Now Jason doesn't know anything about um, Lord of the Rings by the sound of things. Even so, after watching, I, I reckon this is going to be. A... I still know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, I don't know why. Uh, it just doesn't. Um, it doesn't. Things just don't stick in my head with these movies. I I don't know what it is. It's it's the genre. That's okay. Anyway, so anyway, I I've tried to be. I've tried to be I've tried to be nice with you with these ten questions, Jace. Um, and I have mentioned pretty much all of the answers I've mentioned in today's episode. So I'm hoping that you've absorbed some of it. Oh, just do it. I'm hoping you've just, absorbed let's just some get, of it. Put me out of my misery. <laughs> all right. All right. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to do ten questions in approximately sixty seconds, but we know it never is. Um, question one. Here we go, Jace. You ready? You ready? Mm. Yes, you are. All right. <laughs> Question one, what are the giant wolves called from Isengard? What are they called? Um, I said it already. Uh, Starts with W. Starts with W? Nah. Yeah. I don't know. All right, you haven't got that one. Question two, I reckon, I know that we've got a couple of dedicated listeners who are almost certainly listening to this going, Jason, it's this. Um... All right, question two. What does Gollum like to eat? Wait, are they wargs? Sam, Sam says potatoes. Taters. Yes, they are wargs. Yes. Do I still get a point? Taters. What is Go- what is- yes, you do. Yes, you do. Okay. Um, but no, Sam likes to eat taters, but what does Gollum like to eat? Oh. I don't know. People. What, what does he... <laughs> oh, God, what does he say? Right, we'll skip we'll skip that oh, one. Oh, yeah, no, skip it. We'll sort it out later. Question question three: What is the name of Gandalf's horse? Um, said it twice today. You, you said it twice, did you? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, 
and it's in the notes just don't you dare go that i wouldn't notes. even know where to start <laughs> i wouldn't even know where to bloody start with the notes um that's all right i'll, I'll tell i'll tell you later something the horse all right <laughs> shush <laughs> it's a lord of horses um it, it's what he says but it, he calls it the name as well all right well question four what's the name of the giant animal that frodo and sam see that gets attacked by faramir's men they're watching like they're watching this big army and there's a big giant animal what's it called they say it in the movie and i've said it twice today as well like like what it looks like an elephant and uh, not an elephant. i fuck i just told you <laughs> actually yes it looks no, like an elephant yeah, elephant because when yeah. when they said it, yes, I, was it like, is I was like, like Timothy Oliphant, and my wife looked at me again and just shook her head. Yes, like, exactly. Yeah, you kind of yeah, go exactly, yeah. but I didn't give that away. But no, I, I, I yeah, no, no. But if you looks like an if elephant, you had rephrased that question to like, what are the elephant looking things called? I would have been like the Timothy Oliphants. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's also got another name. Called a um um a mumak. Nah, we're not going to nah, hear that nah, in the next movie. Nah, nah, you hear that in the next movie. Um, <laughs> all right. Question five: What's the name of what is the name of Treebeard species? What is he? Call, what are they? I thought they were. I thought Treebeard was the species. This is dumb. no. He's a person. He's a character. Oh, dude. <laughs> tree. That, right, I don't okay. know. The, the next big question. tree guys. Like the big freaking tree what? guys. Outrageous. <laughs> yeah, they got it. They got a name. They're a species of animal, um, person. All right, what does Eowyn may um, offer Aragorn when they're when they're kind of on their way to Helm's Deep? She offers him something. No, no idea. <laughs> it's a funny one. I'll tell you later. All right, what is the name of Ro- Rohan's army? I've said it a couple of times. Eima runs it. It's muster the. They're all the horses, but they've got a name. No, no idea. <laughs> I don't know. No, I, don't know. I just don't know. All right. It's okay. crazy. What, what number... You, when I tell you, I think you might remember. Um, What number... What is the number, like the day number, um, that Gandalf arrives at Helm's Deep? Five? Says, on a, on, yes, it is the fifth, fifth day. The, the on fifth the fifth day, day at yeah. dawn, look to the east. Yeah. Very good. What doesn't Gimli want Legolas to know during the Battle of Helm's Deep? He says, "Don't tell the elf." What? What is it? What doesn't he want to tell the elf? Isn't it like they've they got no chance or something? Or like there's I don't know. No. Okay. Nah. Nah. Right. Oh, I would so love to be in the car listening to other other people listening to this right now. I don't care. Um, and I this just don't care. Here, <laughs> um, what? What animals, what are the name of the animals that the Nazgul ride? The big dragon looking things. How is that even another question still? Um, this is the last question. Aren't they just dragons? No name? <laughs> no, I don't know, man. They're not. They're called fel, lucky. Fel, fel beasts. You're lucky. Fel beasts. I can remember. I, I, I got, I've got names and characters. That's the best I can do. I got the names yeah. of characters and some locations. That's you it. and you. Were... Our next marathon is not going to be 
Harry Potter or Fantastic Beasts or anything, it's going to be another Lord of the Rings viewing. That's what I just it's can't do be. it. I just and I'll point out all these things to you. It doesn't stick, right, man. I'm gonna go, My I'm brain gonna go through not, some, it just not. It's I'm not gonna programmed. Get... <laughs> absorb this genre of film. I'm going to go through the answers. I'm gonna go through <laughs> the answers. All right, you got the first one. The giant wolves are called wargs. Well done. What does Gollum like to eat? He likes to eat fish, alive, wriggling, and warm, and juicy. That's during the potatoes exchange. He turns yeah. around and he goes, no. That explains that scene later, fish. actually. It's got to be raw. Yeah, that's gross. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's Gandalf's horse's name? Shadowfax, he's called. He's a lord of horses, Shadowfax. He's been my friend. That's it's a stupid says. name, by the way. <laughs> name, the, the elephant is named is Oliphant or a Mumak. Um, what's the name of tree bird species? They're Ents. They're called Ents. E-N-T-S. No. Ents. Um, Eowyn offers Aragorn when they're in bet- on their way to Helm's Deep soup and he drinks it and he says it tastes good but he tries to spit it out do you not remember that? no <laughs> oh you're kidding me <laughs> no, I must have fallen asleep during this bloody movie not even um, I might have what's the name of Rowan what's the name not this one alright What's the name of um, Rowan's army? Like the cavalry, the horses, They're called the, the Rohirrim. Sure, sure. Um, Gandalf arrives on the fifth day. You already know that one. Um, Gimli doesn't want Legolas to know that he couldn't jump across the gap. So oh, Aragorn yeah. throws him onto the, Don't the tell causeway. The elf. <laughs> he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll go, you'll have to toss me. Don't tell the elf. That's, big, that's a throwback to the first, first movie where he says, no one tosses an elf. Um, not a dwarf. No one tosses a dwarf. Um, and then, yeah, Fell Beasts is what the Nazgul writes. There you go. That was, you, you got, I think, three, I reckon. Uh, sure. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, you got Oliphant, Wargs, and the Fifth Day. So, mate, bravo. Mate, let's you just, did it. You yeah, nailed it. You nailed my misery. it. Let's just write this. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, let's get this thing done. All right, well. That was our quiz. That was entertaining for me and frustrating for people listening, but that's fine. We appreciate you still listening to us. If My apologies. You are, there is uh, anybody out there. Um, but it is time to rate, rate this movie out of um, VHS tapes. I, it's five VHS tapes. You go first, Jace, and then I'll finish up. I cannot stress enough. I get it. This mm. is a good movie. I'm in no way saying that it's not. Mm-hmm. It is actually enjoyable. I find myself uh-huh. enjoying myself when I watch it, and I feel like people don't believe me when I tell them. I it I just struggle <laughs> to. It's weird. I can keep track of a whole like thirty piece cinematic universe, or like you know, watch the entirety of Lost um, and understand deep dive bits of mythology. I don't know. I, I can remember, yeah. I think about 400 Pokemon or something, not all 700, but I, I think 400 is pretty good. An assortment <laughs> of Simpsons characters. I, I don't know. My brain is full of useless information. But when it comes to like, what is the name of that weird wolf thing in Lord of the Rings? I, I have no idea. It just doesn't stick. Um, I don't know. Anyway, I do enjoy these movies and I did yeah. enjoy this one. It's pretty fun. When you get to about the halfway mark, you know, that king is no longer like in his gremlin form. Mm. It picks up. It's it's pretty fun. It <laughs> is a shame that the characters are all separated, yeah. but 
there's a purpose to it. And it's obviously adding to the drama that it's like, you got the struggle with the hobbits. You've got these guys just being warriors. And um, mm. again, I think what falls short, and again, only just watching the theatrical version. So I get it. Yeah. Pippin and Mary, not much actually happening. That's okay. And that's why I think I always had this memory of like, did they yeah. even do anything in those movies? I get it. They, they actually do play a big part, but it just isn't reflective in this mm. theatrical version. Um, visual they effects. Do, they do. And in, and in the third movie, even even more so, they do. Mm. So. But visual effects, yeah. look, we are getting to the point where it's like, okay, it is kind of a little bit dated now, in, you know, 20 years later. Yeah. My God, that's 20 years later. So, I mean, it, it's pretty good. And the motion capture stuff, an achievement. Mm. Yeah. I me, I will give this a three point five, and I know that's shocking. I will give this a three point five out of five. Don't write letters. Don't write to us. <clears throat> nothing. I'm just going to leave it there and let everything no, no, I just please said. Do. Please do. Everything I just said to, and that number. You work out why I've given it that number. <laughs> it's yeah. That's a good movie. <laughs> Recommend it. I. I I accept I accept it. Uh, well, what you're saying is it's above average, is what you're saying, but that's fine. Um, this movie is uh, brilliant. Um, it is not the most brilliant movie you've ever made, and I do and I do agree with you. Looking at the the special effects, you know, that is always an area of interest for me. Always, um, and yeah, twenty years on, there's definitely some things like watching, seeing the army from a distance, like the big army of Urukai. You know, Aragorn's on his horse and he's barely alive and he looks out and he sees this big blur and it is a blur. There's not much definition there. But then there's other moments where it really is truly amazing. Like So some of it really does hold up really well, some of it not so much. What for me, I really, really, I just really appreciate the filmmaking behind it and that technological leap of having tens of thousands of characters all, you know, rendered on screen with you know interacting with each other but they're not hand you know they're not individually rent, um created it's just a fantastic asset to filmmaking and so i'm such so thankful for this this movie and this trilogy for bringing that element to filmmaking moving forward um i like the 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 you know the the three different timelines but i do feel like you know like like I said, without the extended edition, sometimes there's a bit of context or a bit of extra stuff with, say, Merry and Pippin that, you know, um, or, the, you know, the history of um, Aragorn and stuff. I'm very happy that I've actually, I have that extra context. But I, um, one of the things that it's, that it is a little bit jarring for me with, you know, cutting from a massive battle to people walking on tree, like trees walking through forests and stuff like that. So that is one of the big things I've got again with this movie that, it doesn't hold up against its other, you know, the other two. So for me, it's a four. Um, I don't think I could go above it. I'd love to, but yeah, there are a couple of things that I don't agree with. Okay, so, so four VHS tapes. I just want to highlight there that you've only given it half a point more than me. I just want to. Yeah, point I wanted that to out. go four and a half. Yes, one point. I'm, I'm conscious. Out. I'm conscious. <laughs> I'm conscious that I. I don't think I can't remember what I gave fellowship, but I don't think I gave it a five. But I should have. So, if you're going to write have. letters, maybe to both of us, if that's mm. <laughs> no, maybe cool. maybe maybe, maybe write letters about our inconsistencies. Um, but I have to admit, ladies and gentlemen, I have nothing more to say. It's a three point five for Jace. It's a four for me. And guys, that's
that was our rewind for 2002's Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers. You know, maybe they can maybe they can write letters and just be like, "Why did Jay sound like he was dying on this review, guys? Because I am, because <laughs> I'm very unwell, and yet I'm here talking about he Lord is... of the Rings." But anyway. he's, curr- he's currently he's curr- currently expiring at 10:13 p.m. What yeah. a week, though. I'm popping soon. There's like no tomorrow to stop myself from expiring from it just just for passing out anyway um (laughs) despite all of that we hope you enjoyed this episode of rewind and review as always remind you that any feedback either positive or negative here we go or any rewind requests can be sent to us write it down via email at that film street podcast at gmail.com yeah um or you can reach out to us on either that film stew or rewind reviews facebook pages uh, like and follow these pages while you're there. Subscribe and leave us a review on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts as it does help others like yourself find the podcast. It's been another episode of Rewind Review and we will see you on our next trip. Please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library. I'll see you. Don't you normally say see you? <laughs> well, no, that's, I'm finishing, so you're the one who has to say see you. Oh. I said see you. Okay, wait, 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 and then you want me to wait, turn around and wait, go, wait, wait, see you. I was on mute. I, I was right. See you. <laughs> oh.